Uh, hi, I'm Anna. Hi, Anna. The truth is that I drink a lot. And sometimes I mix it with pills. And I'm here because I woke up this morning convinced I'd witnessed a murder. Someone has been murdered. They said you saw a murder. She is batshit crazy. I'm not crazy. <laughs> Someone's gotta believe me. And she has a serious drinking problem. No. Okay. Can you get that knife out of my Can face? You stop telling people that I have a drink. Hey everybody, welcome back you know? to the Look It All Podcast. This is your host, Elias Rush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRushMedia.com. Photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing. The woman in the house across the window from the street and the girl from the window. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's it's uh, it's another one, to say the least. Uh, all right. So anyways, we've talked about the first episode of this show, kind of talked about how kind of intentionally ridiculous it is. I also said how predictable it was as well. Let me explain. In this episode, we are talking about full spoilers for this podcast. Sorry, for this show. Um, so I would have expected you to watch the woman in the house across the street from the girl from the window um, and have finished this television show. Or you don't care about spoilers. You just really don't give a yuck. I, I can, you know, I can respect that. Um, you just want to hear my two cents. So I do kind of want to go through the... Um, the cast a little bit. I, I wanted to intentionally keep the first podcast a little bit vague. So let me explain. Kirsten Bell, for everyone that has not watched it, I'm going to give a quick roundup. As Anna Whitaker, a woman who takes a break from her painting career to mourn the death of her eight-year-old daughter. A tragedy that also broke up her marriage. She, she suffers from ombrophia. Uh, fear of rain and takes pills with red wine, which causes hallucinations. And I think it was at the end of the first episode that there is like something's in the attic, something funky is going on in the attic. And I don't think it's explained till about the middle of the seventh episode. Um, so she takes pills with red wine. And I've never wanted red wine as much as I've watched Christian Bell uh, drink this wine. I was like, damn, I got to get some red wine, um, which causes her hallucinations. She cooks chicken casseroles and reads books with titles like The Woman Across the Lake and The Girl on the Cruise, which are supposed to be kind of like fourth wall breaking uh, storytelling of you're actually watching the book that she's reading kind of thing. I don't know. Um, and of course we have Michael Ely. He, I always think Michael Ely has been kind of a stud. I always, I always appreciate a good Michael Ely performance uh, as Douglas Whitaker, Anna's ex-husband, a forensic psych psychologist, psychiatrist, and FBI profile profiler um, specializing in serial killers. There's like a little side segment of this, what's going on here that honestly feels like uh, some Mindhunter shit. And actually, my head was going straight to Mindhunters as well for a specific reason. 
Tom Riley is the neighbor across the street, sexy English man or whatever the hell, as Neil Coleman, Anna's widowed neighbor. If you watch Neil Coleman, the first three episodes, they are trying so hard to make it look like this guy has done it. And as I was watching, I was like, I really don't think this guy did it. I, I, they're trying to, to feed us these inf this information that he's done all these things. And we haven't seen a body. We haven't seen real evidence except for him being an asshole um, to her. And um, yeah, there was just so much. So th there didn't seem exact probable cause for what she was doing. What for reasons of him trying to kill this his girlfriend. But we also get hallucinations of uh, and like fantasies of Kristen killing this uh, this woman, which happens to be his girlfriend. And with saying that his his girlfriend has this whole side tangent gig going on. And so. um so, yeah, I wasn't ever 100 percent thinking that it was Neil. My number one suspect for the majority of the show was old Ed Kemper. What is this guy's name again? I've seen this guy in tons of things. Cameron Britton. Cameron Britton is an actor that was in uh, The Girl in the Spider's Web, Mindhunter. He was in The Umbrella Academy. Um but multiple times in Barry, multiple times this guy has played serial killers. And this is the handyman that they decide to have on on uh, on their street. He's fixing the goddamn mailbox for about what feels like five weeks. Like how long does it take to fix a mailbox? So I instantly thought it was him. I was like, all right, so clearly it's this guy is going to be on the radar and what had happened was, what had happened was, it was a big ass red herring. So it turns out, old I keep calling him Ed Kemper because that was the uh, that was the guy he played in Mindhunter. That was like the really, I, I think Ed Kemper was like a was he a cannibal or something like that? I don't know. He saw, killed a bunch of women and maybe a I, I don't know did something with the heads. It's, it's fucked up shit. Let's just say that. And so. The handyman in the show has played other serial killers on other other television shows, such as Mindhunter, which is on Netflix. So I was like, this guy is looking pretty, pretty suspicious. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he was my number one suspect. Um, the. Let me see. Mary Holland is Sloan who is her supportive friend who just happens to pop up out of nowhere. She was like my number three suspect because she was just no chill about just showing up. I I couldn't deal with it. Why is this show not called hashtag noise, nosy neighbors? Because these neighbors were literally just staring at their walls like, what the fuck is Anna doing? You know, like 20 times a day, everyone's at their window or looking out their driveway or sitting in their driveway waiting for some shit to happen. I was like, these are the nosiest neighbors I've ever seen in my life. And so, um, yeah, Cameron Britton as Buell is a handyman who tries to fix Anna's mailbox. Literally the entire series, he's trying to fix his mailbox. And then maybe he's, he's got some weird shit going on. Um, and by the end of this show, 
we find out he's fucking living in an attic. Like, what the fuck? And he, she's like completely okay with it. Even after Michael Ely tells her that, oh, yeah, the handyman, he only like killed his entire family and all that shit. Fucked and chopped him up, shot him up, ate him up, whatever he did. But he's good. He got corrected. He he was in the correctional facility. He's done his time and he's all good. He's basically harmless now, um, except now he's living in your attic. Um, so by the end of episode seven, you're like, holy Santa Claus. Like uh, we got fucking uh, Ed Kemper living in the fucking uh, attic of the fucking house. Uh, so it's an extreme red herring to the point where I was <laughs> I was laughing out loud at this point, which made me kind of like the show more like this show would not have worked if they weren't going 100 percent or at least 80 percent with this, like knowing that it's kind of a ridiculous plot. I think that that is what's really selling this show for me, if at all. I guarantee you there are going to be people watching this that are going to be like, this was dead ass serious. I didn't laugh even once. It's like, mm, if you've ever seen any type of crime drama thriller um, focusing around this, kind of the, uh, not the boy who cried wolf, but it's kind of that type of storytelling, you know. She was dead. I saw it happen. Ma'am, you didn't see anything. You were drinking too much wine, had too many of the prescriptions, and Michael Ely prescribing all that good shit for you. And he's take that shit back. <laughs> I was like, God dang. Um, and yeah, if you're a lawyer, I probably wouldn't watch this because it's like they break every rule in the book. If you if you if she had a lawyer, everything probably would have been fixed. Or a ring light. If any of these fucking neighbors had a ring light, then I think it would be okay. Um, but there is this massive, massive part that happens at the end of this series, which is what I would call jumping the fucking shark. Now, let me see if this girl has ever uh, acted before. I need to see what this girl's acting uh, credits are. Samara, Leela, or Layla. Sorry, Sam, Sara, Layla, Yeet, or Yet. She was in Don't Look Up. I don't remember her in that. Um, the Flight Attendant. I think that was a HBO show. She, she's, a, she's She's been in some stuff. Early actress. Um, yeah, she's going to be a talented young girl, I think, um, in, the, in the industry. She already is, but she's going to be uh, continue with this. Um... Yeah, so this has a 6.4 on IMDb, and I just don't think that people are, like, understanding that this is supposed to be ridiculous. I think people would give it a little bit more leeway if they knew. So this eighth episode, let me go, let me complete this thing. Real quick. Samsara Yit as Emma um, Coleman is Neil's nine-year-old daughter. Basically, she's innocent bystander selling chocolates to the neighbors all, all damn day. Brenda Cho... As Carol, oh my God, Anna's judgmental neighbor. She is always trying to get up in Anna's business. Like, what the hell is she doing? She's talking shit about her in the, the grocery store. She's the lady that is like, oh, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. It's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sweet Jesus, help me now. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I feel like a lot of us have at least a, uh, a Carol in our neighborhood of some sort. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. 
I'm, you know, I, it's completely fine to pray for somebody, but if you're going to turn around and talk shit about me and my, and my family and my problems, uh, you know, you can keep those to yourself. Um, Shelly Henning as Lisa Marines, uh, is Neil's girlfriend whom Anna believes has been murdered. Now, this is why I kind of wanted to wait a little bit. It is later revealed her real name is Chastity Linkus. And uh, <laughs> and then we have Benjamin Levy Aguilar as Rex Baki, a stripper. Now, there was like three or four times I was trying to not like predict things. I was just like, I just don't believe this. This is really happening. Um, one, I wasn't sure if... Uh, chastity or whatever her name is what is lisa had been murdered um i kind of doubted it at first but you end up finding out actually how it happened but one of the things was rex and chastity have this whole side gig that kind of takes up about an episode and a half of the middle of the season and i knew it was going to be a massive red herring i was like there's no way this rex guy this rex guy is even going to try to hurt Kristen bell i mean several times he comes in and he's like don't make me have to stabby stab i was like sir if you're if you want to do intimidating don't hit him with a or shing ding or you know trying to shake some shoulders with it i was like what the fuck is going on with this guy this dude was basically dancing around her when he has when he has Kristen up against her uh, like it was laughably ridiculous and i wasn't a hundred percent sure at that time if this show was supposed to be you know quote unquote ridiculous or fourth wall breaking or you know just like almost a parody but when this guy came in, I was like, God, geez, this guy is flaming gay. Like he was he just couldn't stand still while he was trying to be intimidating. <laughs> it uh, it honestly made more sense that within like less than 20 minutes, I think you find out uh, the full story that uh, Rex and Chastity have apparently been conning rich older men into taking their money and. Neil was just next on the list and Rex basically uh, basically changes heart uh, 100% and they start having some sort of weird connection. I was like, Kristen, I was Kristen, can you stop having, you know, uh, uh, fantasies and stuff about this this one guy that's clearly gay? I mean, come on. <laughs> I was like, this guy is, you know whipping up eggs in a damn with his ass hanging out and I was, this is ridiculous and so they end up having some uh spicy lifetime sex all over the house and i feel like this is this is another reason why lifetime hallmark or any other of these uh networks are probably losing views because you're getting a little bit of spice in your life i'm sorry that I have to watch a ridiculous parody show that's mature only to actually see anyone having sex on TV anymore. And it's not like I'm like craving to see that on television or movies. It's that American television is so damn dry these days. And especially since COVID protocol, I would assume that it makes it a little bit more difficult. But um, I got to say that I was, 
I was impressed by that. I was like, damn, at least we're seeing some uh, uh, some sex around the house. Too bad it was probably with a gay man. <laughs> and uh, it, it's almost instantly revealed that he's working at a, a strip club. Um, there's one line that, oh, 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 there's one line. Okay, so one of the lines I knew that this was a ridiculous show. I think the cop says something like, Rex? After they take Rex in around episode set into seven or some middle of seven, she's like, Rex? Oh, Rex? Oh, honey, the only thing Rex slayed was his dance routine that night. <laughs> oh, my Help me, Jesus. Help me, Tom Cruise. <laughs> help me, help me, Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. Help me, help me, Ninja Turtles. I, I was just like, is this supposed to be this bad? Is it supposed to be this ridiculous? But seeing that it's supposed to be kind of a parody makes all the more sense. So that's uh oh yeah, and we have Christina. Anthony as uh, the de detective. I gotta say that I feel like a couple times that they tried to have her play a little bit too too straight. That just like felt kind of obvious that it was like a, a bad take or something like that. So I'm not exactly sure what that was about. But like when like when she walks in, she's like, "Do you want to give me coffee? Thanks." Like fucking robotic or some shit. I don't know. Um, so anyways, I. Uh, <laughs> I was laughing pretty hard at some of these lines that just came out of nowhere. It, it honestly didn't feel like until episode like three or four that they started really having decent jokes. There's like a another side joke about like this like chubby Latin kid that was in the school where Kristen was, you know, uh, interrogating a principal or something like that. And he comes up saying like, um, my, uh, my stomach hurts. And... The teacher's like, Billy, does your stomach really hurt? He's like, uh, I guess. And then the, the, the principal's like, Billy, are you lying? He's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, Jesus. Oh, my gosh. I was just laughing at, like, side uh, side comments like that. So I was like, this is, I, I was like, I guess they're trying to be ridiculous. I couldn't tell if they were just, like, sprinkling in comedy in between it or something like that i was i was a little taken back i wasn't 100 sure what was going on um so anyways let's hop into this very final episode where basically uh, uh let me let, let me give some background a little bit actually before we hop in the last episode additionally uh abby pratt who plays elizabeth who is anna's daughter who's been killed Anna's eight-year-old daughter who died in 2018, Brendan Jenkins, appears as Massacre Mike, which I was like, that's kind of a weird name and ridiculous. Um, a cannibalistic serial killer who killed and ate Elizabeth? Oh, Santa Claus. I didn't even see that he ate her. I was like, I didn't see that at all. I thought that, uh, how did he eat her? That doesn't make sense to me. Um... So anyways, uh, Jesus, I didn't know that he ate. I, I didn't think that that was possible. Like from what we're shown, Elizabeth is like in the room with Michael Ely, like 10 feet away. I don't know how the hell he would have 
Mike would have had time to do that. Um, so anyways, Janene, 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 Janaya Gavikar as Meredith Coleman, Neil's wife who died a few months uh, before, he moved in across from Anna. And uh, Natia Vidiscar as Hilary Latham, Meredith's sister. Nicole Pullum appears as Claire, Douglas's co-worker, and Glenn Close as a cameo role in the final episode in 2A, C2A. Um, so where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. So anyways, the daughter apparently was eaten. I didn't, I didn't, did not get that. I did not see that happening in that. Um, but anyways, the, the main thing you have to take away from this is that it's a big setup. There's dead bodies following Neil and his daughter all throughout the season. And you find out very last episode with this massive explanation, ex- exposition dump that, it, first of all, Ed's cut, his throat's cut, Neil's dead. Kristen's like, oh my God, oh my God. Trying to figure out who's killing all these people. She turns around and it's young, what's her name? It's young uh, Emma with a fucking knife. And she's like, you motherfuck you, I'll fuck you up, you. And (laughs) when this fight breaks out, okay, so basically Anna just explains everything that happens, has happened to the entire series. She's like, oh, yeah, my mom tried to have a baby without my permission. And I jumped in the river and I cut the fucking lake off and then I shoved her in there. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? How did that even happen? And over half of the time, all the flashbacks are from the perspective of Kristen Bell's mind. So it's like their unreliable narrator kind of thing. Okay. Um, So that was my whole thing. I was like, we don't know actually what went down. All we see is like the puzzles being the pieces being put together in her mind. So I was just like, uh, we have to believe that this little girl is just going around being a fucking serial killer. And then, uh, the air stewardess is, uh, basically just mocking her at one point for, uh, you know, Neil's girlfriends just like, um, yeah, I'm not going to buy your chocolate bars because sugar is the worst thing to put in your body. And one, she's probably not wrong. Two, um, Emma goes like, oh, yeah, you want to know else what's really not good for your body? <laughs> it's a fucking knife in her throat. Fucking Emma stabs the stewardess for not buying her chocolate bars or something like that. Kind of being an asshole. Um, the the The... Emma is on one at this point. She's just like, I don't want a daughter. Sorry, I don't want a sister. Neil doesn't have a daughter. Uh, The teacher got pushed. Like multiple times, I'm like busting out laughing from what's going on. It it was like, wait, what? (laughs) Like what's going on now? And then all of a sudden, this little eight-year-old girl, nine-year-old girl is running at her, running at a Kristen Bell, even though Kristen Bell has like a phone and everything, she's like struggling to get across 
you know, to the other neighbor's house because of fucking rains making her go crazy and shit like that. And uh, she when she finally gets over there and Emma explains all this shit. She has dropped her phone in the middle of the fucking road, of course. It's just multiple times I was like, you know, half of this could be avoided if you would just have a fucking video out or something like that. Have a damn camera looking at your ass. Um, it didn't make a lot of it did not make sense of how this little girl would be able to orchestrate over half of this going on. It was they go back and explain what she did, but not really how she did. I think it was way more of just like coincidental almost. But uh, yeah, I was I was kind of floored by it at first. I was just like, what in the bejesus? You know, because I was like, uh okay, we have to look, believe this little girl's just like moving bodies and doing all this crazy shit. It's like, oh, shit. So anyways, <laughs> there's this knockout, drag out fight where fucking this little girl gets suplexed, boom, from fucking uh, Kristen Bell. And somehow she, uh, Kristen Bell's still getting her ass kicked by this like nine-year-old girl that has like fucking Hulk super serum strength in her ass or something like that. Just boom. <laughs> fucking punching and punching and stabbing and shooting and it was just like god dang this girl is relentless and then <laughs> there was one hit where Kristen Bill has like punched this little girl in the fucking like chest like and, like spits fucking teeth out at Kristen Bell and she's like those are baby teeth bitch <laughs> Might me of like her fighting Chucky or some shit it was so funny seeing this like nine-year-old girl just chucking Kristen Bell across the fucking room. Like, how the fuck did it even happen? I was uh, I was kind of floored. I, and I the motivations for this little girl didn't really make 100% sense to me. But I was like, God dang. Okay. So uh, I was like, all right. But because the entire time we're supposed to feel like sympathetic for this little girl who's supposed to be kind of like a reflection of Anna's uh, young girl, Elizabeth. But it just gets so fucking crazy at a point that I'm just like, what is going on? <laughs> so, yeah, that is that is the uh, final episode. Let me and oh, and Kristen Bell basically forgives uh, fucking Ed Kemper for living in his house, living on her house and making raccoon lamps. <laughs> I just I don't even know what to say. I don't I really don't. Um, I'll give you the actual synopsis for this final episode so that uh, anything I uh, forgot. So rushing behind Buell, Anna faints in the rain and struggles to enter Neil's house to save Emma. Instead, she finds a severely wounded Buell who is delivering the mail with a hammer at like 9 p.m. <laughs> I was like, that's a fantastic time to do it. And Neil's dead body. Shocked, Anna now becomes... Emma's target as Emma reveals that she has stabbed her father because she disliked his ventriloquism act, which was a whole nother side section of like red herring to another degree. He's just like making these like fucking faces and shit like that with this massive fucking dummy, his ugliest sheet and uh, just kind of ridiculous on his face. I was like, what the hell ventriloquist dummy? And so she's like, it was a stupid act anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I actually hit myself. <laughs> uh, she stabbed Lisa because Lisa did not support her chocolate sales, framing Anna. 
which that was kind of the only thing I could probably believe that the crazy neighbor across the street did it. But like this girl would have to be like a super compulsive liar for all of this to happen. Um, she orchestrated her pregnant mother's uh, death and pushed her angry teacher to her death after a bloody fight, Anna kills Emma in self-defense. Oh, and Douglas arrives, which is her ex-husband. Before all this happens, uh, Emma is like talking to the cops. She's like, yeah, crazy neighbor did all this shit. And she tried to bring this shitty casserole over. By the way, bam! And she grabs that casserole and knocks the shit out of Kristen Bell's head. I was like, dang! Who would have thought that the one of the seven casseroles... <laughs> We're going to be the problem, which I do got to say real quick that there was like this weird side tangent where Kristen Bell's like going to like different people to get all these clues. And this one lady is just releasing all this fucking information. And she's like, you got to take the casserole, remember, or something. <laughs> it's like, OK, so um, the casserole comes back and uh, eventually Kristen grabs one of the pieces of glass from the casserole and stabs fucking Emma. Like, I would have kicked that girl so far ahead if she was, like, so, like, across the fucking kitchen if she's fucking coming at me with a damn gun and knife. Oh, my gosh. So, that's basically the last episode. At the hospital, Lane and Carol apologize to Anna for not believing her, of course. Um, days later, Anna uh, allows uh, Buell, who survived, um, to continue living in her loft or her attic. And <laughs> Sloan hosts a successful um, uh, exhibition and receives an offer for her gallery from the gallery in New York, which Anna encourages her to accept. Um, Douglas and Anna are reconciled in the rain as she has overcome her fear of rain and probably has a new fear of nine-year-olds. <laughs> um, one year later, Anna, who has a newborn daughter um, with Douglas, and we think Douglas is with this like fine lady who he keeps like driving around with everywhere. And he's like, oh, her? Oh, she's just my coworker. We're just friends. <laughs> so uh, he's still single, I guess. Um, one year later, oh, and there was uh, the carbs text message thing between each other. She's like, he's like texting her, like, this is weird. Why are you asking me this stuff? And he's like, uh, this is weird that you'd be asking for carbs. You you don't like carbs or some shit like that. It was like some weird shit. Um, so anyways, Anna and Douglas have a newborn daughter. And Anna is aboard uh, a new flight to New York to visit Sloan. She finds an apparent dead woman, played by Glenn Close, um, that was sitting next to her in seat 2A. The lady, the lady beside the lady that's doing the makeup in seat 2A, season two. <laughs> um, but when she returns to her seat to show a, uh, a flight attendant, the body is gone. Glenn Close was in the restroom of the airplane dead but then she goes back and looks and she's she's gone so and the flight flight attendant claims that the seat was unoccupied all along leaving anna 
to delve into another murder mystery. And that, my friends, is the final episode of The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window. Let me know what you thought about the series. Let me know what you thought about the podcast. Let me know what you thought about the review. Five stars. Thumbs up. Subscribe. SoundCloud, Apple Music, uh, YouTube, Twitch. We're on Twitter. We're on all of the social medias. Go to lookatallpodcast.com for the entire library. If you would like the exclusives, go to patreon.com slash lookatallpodcast. You know what to do to support. Thank you and take it easy. Where's my casserole? I know what I saw. Didn't I? Red or white? Oh, no, thank you. I don't drink wine anymore. I'll have a vodka. Mm-hmm.